Good morning, again. It's a blessing to be here. I want to thank uh, those who have invited me, and what a privilege it is to be here in this church and to have a chance to share God's Word. I'd like to welcome those who are watching online as well. Uh, it's amazing what technology can do these days. People can be watching right now from different parts of the world. If you have a Bible, I invite you to open up your Bible or to click your app or whatever you have. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 9. I've got my title on the screen here behind me. As the storm approaches. I'd like to read this verse and then we'll have prayer. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 9. The Bible says, With my soul have I desired you in the night. Yea, with my spirit within me I will seek you early. For when your, and what's that next word? When your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. A powerful text. Let's pray. Dear Father, Heavenly Father, what an awesome time to be alive. There are things happening around us that are just uh, making people's heads spin. We look at prophecy, we look at current events, and we look at the Bible, and Lord, I just really sense that time is running out. And we pray for the Holy Spirit together to be here with us this morning as we look at, at your word. And may Jesus be lifted up. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, what a time to be alive. <laughs> It's just amazing. As the storm approaches, let me put a picture here on the screen. And uh, we're all, at least most of us, are aware of what happened two days ago. We're not talking about, you know, five years ago. We're talking about two days ago in Northern California. How many of you are aware of this? A terrible fire that just broke out. Somebody... Uh, sent me the message on Thursday and said, Steve, you know what just happened in California? Uh, Paradise, California is largely gone. It's largely gone. This town has pretty much been destroyed. Uh, and that includes an Adventist church and an Adventist hospital and an Adventist school. It's just gone. Uh, here's a news report called Hell in Paradise. Huge wildfires sweep through paradise in Northern California as thousands flee raging inferno and hundreds more are trapped. I was reading a news report where a woman named Sherry Bernasette, who was right there in the middle of all this, she said her husband started knocking on doors desperately trying to tell people we got to get out of here right away. And then she said, quote, the whole hill is on fire. May God help us. Wow, can you imagine being in the middle of something like that? You know, and here's this news report here. Uh, talks about strong winds. And that's part of the problem in Northern California. Strong winds and dry conditions. 
when you combine dry conditions, there hasn't been a lot of rain in California for quite a while. I grew up in Los Angeles, uh, went to school in North Hollywood and in the San Fernando Valley. Uh, my dad, I just, and I'll talk about this more this afternoon, uh, just died less than a month ago and we had his memorial service uh, in Hollywood, California. And I'm just very familiar with living in California. And I tell you, the state is just being devastated by all these fires, one after another. Strong winds and dry conditions. And as, you know, as I look at the world and as even I look at the church, I see strong winds blowing. Are you aware of that? Winds of doctrine are blowing among us. And uh, may God help us to get out of a dry condition. We need to be in a, uh, a spiritual condition with the Lord right now. Now here's another, here's a quotation from volume nine of the testimonies. Take a look at this. It says, more and more as the days go by, it is becoming apparent that God's judgments are in the world, which is what Isaiah 26 verse nine says that when God's judgments are in the earth, people are hopefully gonna learn righteousness. He is, it says, in fire and flood and earthquake, he is warning the inhabitants of this earth of his near approach. That's what's happening. As these things are happening around us, God is trying to warn us of the return of Jesus, that we are getting closer. The time is nearing when the great crisis in the history of the world will have come, when every movement in the government of God will be watched with intense interest and inexpressible apprehension. In quick succession, the judgments of God will fall, will follow one another, fire and flood and earthquake with war and bloodshed. Now, I, I wanna tell you just, you know, I'm gonna be right up front that I believe in what this says. I believe in my Bible. God has taught me a lot. I've been a Christian for almost 40 years, and I've learned through ups and downs and ins and outs and all kinds of different battles and struggles and difficulties. I've learned to trust this book, to trust the Bible. One word from God is more valuable than 10,000 words from men. I trust the Bible, and I also the Bible also says believe his prophets. It's 2 Chronicles 20, 20, says, believe in the Lord your God, and also says, believe in his prophets. And I believe that uh, the lady that wrote this statement on the screen, Ellen White, was one of the messengers of God. And her writings are speaking right now to what's happening in our world right in front of our eyes. Right in front of our eyes. Uh, you should have a little book in your packet that we passed out, just a little free book, one of many books from Whitehorse Media. Did you get The Coming Judgments of God? I hope you got that. That's, I don't know if we have enough for everybody here, but that's one of our little pocket books that is good to give away that gives a Bible study on this whole subject. And we can see, I tell you, we can see these things happening right in front of of our eyes. Now here's a statement from the book The Great Controversy. How many of you have read The Great Controversy? A lot of hands, wonderful. Uh, that book is probably Ellen White's most important book dealing with church history, 
and dealing with uh, Bible prophecy and with end time events and what's going to be happening before Jesus comes. And here's a quote from the Great Controversy, page 590. And it says that one of these days it will be declared that men are offending God by the violation of the Sunday Sabbath and that this sin has brought calamities which will not cease until Sunday observance shall be strictly enforced. And what this statement does, which was written a long time ago, this statement basically connects calamities, disasters like fires, floods, hurricanes, and storms, connects these things to a, an eventual movement in this world to enforce Sunday. There's a clear connection right there. And what I see happening in the days ahead is that these calamities are going to increase. We're going to see more fires, more earthquakes, more floods, more storms, more hurricanes. They're going to be, they're going to be increasing uh, in, in severity, in intensity, and in frequency. And what's going to happen is as these things continue to rattle and rock and shake and devastate this planet, what's going to happen is that people are going to look at these things and they're going to interpret these as, as judgments from God, which they're right, but then they're going to say that the only way for these things to stop is for Sunday to be enforced by law that we all need to come together and go back to church, come back to God, go back to church on Sunday, and, uh, and that that will help solve the problem. That's the reasoning that is going to be put forth. Now, Seventh-day Adventists believe, and I'm assuming most of you here are Seventh-day Adventists, but maybe not all, and I'll just tell you straight up front, that Seventh-day Adventists have believed for a long, long time that one of these days, Sunday is going to be enforced by law. And that that will become the biblical mark of the beast. And we believe this for a variety of reasons, but primarily we believe this because of Revelation chapter 14, verses 6 to 12. If you have your Bibles, open up to Revelation 14, 6 to 12. Revelation 14, verses 6 to 12, describes messages that are being given to the world represented by three holy angels. We call them the three angels' messages. And I've been teaching about these messages for a long time. I've been studying them for over 40 years. I have another little pocketbook that I wrote called God's Final Warning, The Three Angels' Messages. It's like the little book in your packet on the coming judgments of God. And that book, uh, we're all out of them because they've just been selling like hotcakes. They're very inexpensive, easy to get, easy to share. I gave a, one of them away on the plane to a lady named Lois uh, flying from Spokane to Seattle and then Seattle to Omaha yesterday handed this uh, book to a lady I sat right next to, and she was very interested in reading it. It's a little book that explains the three angels' messages. And I don't have time right now 
to go into all the details of these three angels. But the three angels' messages are very, very powerful. This is the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. And Revelation 14 describes these three angels giving messages to the whole world. Seventh-day Adventists did not make these messages up. They're God's messages. They're in the Bible. If we believe in the Bible, they're right here. And Revelation 14, verse 7, at the end of the verse, says, Worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. So there's a call to worship the maker of all life. In an age of evolution and people thinking we came from monkeys and from the goop to you eventually, uh, the Bible says, no, that's not true. You didn't come here by accident. You were made by God. And so was I. You know, and it's just amazing to me to really, I've thought a lot about this and I've read a lot about this. And, you know, that computer that I'm pushing this little button, it's a pretty sophisticated computer here. These slides are pretty sophisticated. And nobody would look at that computer and think that that computer just came about by chance, right? I have a cell phone sitting back there, and you know, it's, uh, they call it a smartphone. It's pretty sophisticated, it can do a lot of things, and nobody would think that a phone like that just came about by chance. When you get, leave church today and get into your cars and drive home, nobody would think that that sophisticated car that you're driving just came about by chance. You know, I got onto an airplane, and yesterday I was in uh, Priest River, Idaho, and here I am in Lincoln, Nebraska. Nobody thinks that those planes just came about by chance. And when you stand in front of a mirror and look at yourself, you are looking at the most sophisticated organism on this planet, far more complicated than this computer or, or your smartphone or your car or any airplane. And yet people think that we and this brain and DNA and all the incredible complexities of the human body, that this just came about by chance. I tell you, this is just, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. We have a maker. And the first angel tells us to worship our maker. Worship him who made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of water. Verse 9 says, The third angel followed them and said with a loud voice, If any man worships the beast and his image and receives his mark in his forehead or in his hand. So the third angel warns, Don't worship the beast and don't get the mark. Now, Seventh-day Adventists, we believe that uh, when you study history, the beast is a symbol of an organization, of the Roman Catholic church organization. And we don't attack individual Catholic people. We love Catholic people. We believe that God has lots of Catholic children all around the world. Amen. Says that right in the great controversy. But nevertheless, we believe that this system fulfills what the Bible says. And when the Bible talks about the beast having a mark, it's a fact of history that as church history went on down the line, the Roman Catholic Church was very, very involved in the switch from the seventh-day Sabbath to the first day of the week. 
and that they have claimed that switch and they have claimed Sunday as a mark of their authority. That's a fact of history. Now, if you look at verse 12, verse 12 says, here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that do what? That keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. So verse 7 talks about worshiping the creator. Verse 9 talks about don't worship the beast and the image and get the mark. And then verse 12 talks about saints who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. And it is, it is a fact that when you study the Ten Commandments carefully, the commandments of God, there is only one commandment, which is number four, that specifically talks about the maker of heaven and earth and the sea and everything in it. And, that's, uh, and that commandment is the commandment that says, keep the seventh-day Sabbath holy. So here's my point. I've been studying this for years. I, I showed you a little television, television commercial that we put together at Whitehorse Media that's going to be airing on Good News TV all over Phoenix uh, shortly, and Facebook marketing, where we're going to have a meeting just outside of Phoenix in December, where I am going to be, we're trying to get a big crowd, we're going to send out about 50,000 flyers, television advertising, social media advertising, and we hope to have a big crowd. And during these meetings, I'm going to go right down through with the public, I'm going to be explaining these messages. And it's just very clear right from the Bible that we're to worship the Creator and keep the commandments the only commandment about the Creator is the seventh-day Sabbath commandment, and the beast changed it into Sunday. And Revelation 13, at the end of the chapter, it says that one of these days, this mark of the authority of the beast is going to be enforced all over the world. So that's why Seventh-day Adventists believe that Sunday will eventually be enforced as a mark of the authority of the beast. And then people will have to make a choice, a final choice. Are we going to follow the beast or the creator? Are we going to keep the commandments of God or follow the traditions of men? This is a Bible message that is rooted in Revelation chapter 14. And the last word of the third angel's message is Jesus. They keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. And then there's a period in verse 12. Jesus is the last word of the three angels' messages. He's at the heart of it. He's at the soul of this. And when you really study your Bibles carefully, we discover that Jesus is the one who made heaven and earth and the sea and everything in it. That it was our maker that died on the cross. And the ultimate issue that the whole world is going to have to face one of these days is are we going to follow Jesus, our maker, and keep his day? That is a sign that he's our maker. Or are we going to follow the beast and get the mark? And ultimately, the mark of the beast, when you peel away all the layers of the, onions and the onion and don't miss this, the core of this issue is that the mark of the beast is a mark of commandment breaking, seared into the soul. 
into the mind and into the actions. And people will be on one side or, or the other, commandment keeping or commandment breaking. Now, is this a remote possibility that Sunday will Sunday be enforced by law? Will this connect with all the calamities that we see happening around us, like a fire that broke out in California two days ago? Well, let me just show you some, uh, some quick slides here. Let me bring this up to speed so I can hopefully impress you that this is not just some far-fetched, cunningly devised, fictitious fable, that what we're talking about here is very, very real. Here's an article from the Associated Press talking about Pope Francis, and Pope Francis is pushing for Sunday laws. Did you know that? He's the most popular person on the planet. He can gather the biggest crowd of anyone, bigger than uh, Donald Trump, <laughs> bigger than any rock star, bigger than Oprah, is Pope Francis, and he is pushing for Sunday laws. Here's a European uh, publication called The Parliament talking about how Sunday work is a danger to our health and our safety. This organization, which is a vast organization, is pushing for Sunday legislation. Here's an article from ABC News. German court enforces day of rest. There is a movement in Germany pushing for Sunday legislation. Here's another one from Fox News. Let's make Sunday a day of rest for God's sake. This article is in favor from Fox, in favor of enforcing Sunday. Here's another one. This is a fairly recent North Dakota. I don't know if you know about the debates going on in North Dakota about whether Sunday should be enforced by law. They have blue laws on the books. There was a movement to try to get those blue laws off the books, but the North Dakota Senate rejected that movement because citizens should use that time to go to worship. It's a strong movement in North Dakota to enforce Sunday. Here's an article from CNN. Church attendance should be mandatory, said this woman, Sylvia Allen, a senator in Arizona during a gun debate bill March 27, 2015. She said, how we get back to a moral rebirth in this country, I don't know, since we are slowly eroding religion at every opportunity we have. Probably we should be debating a bill requiring every American to attend a church of their choice on Sunday. How's that for religious freedom? She says, basically, we all have our choice which church we want to go to on Sunday when it's enforced by law. That's a very twisted view of religious freedom. Here's an article in The Guardian. Slow Sunday, the simple solution to global warming. Using Sunday as a day of rest and renewal would be good for our personal health as well as the health of the planet. In other words, if we all kept Sunday and if all the businesses were closed on Sunday, a whole lot less pollution would be going up into the environment which would then affect climate change and global warming, which would lessen the disasters and the calamities that are hitting this earth. So here we have a news report connecting Sunday with calamities. Hello, who said that over 100 years ago? 
Remember what I'm saying? What we read in Great Controversy. Now, this article just came out just, uh, this was two, two months ago, September 9, 2018, New Italian Government Plans to Curb Sunday Shopping. The article said the new Italian government will introduce a ban on Sunday shopping in large commercial centers before the end of the year as it seeks to defend family traditions. In a bid to spur, to spur economic growth, the then Italian Prime Minister Mario Monti liberalized Sunday trading in 2012. In the past, despite pressure from the Roman Catholic Church and unions who said the country needed a traditional to keep its traditional day of rest. So here we have pressure from the Roman Catholic Church to enforce Sunday in Italy. And uh, in 2012, the Sunday pressure was resisted, but that resistance is going out the window. Earlier this year, Poland restricted Sunday shopping as the conservative government in Warsaw pushed ahead with what it said was a return to Roman Catholic values. So they're looking at Poland as an example of a return to Roman Catholic values, and that is the direction that Italy is now going. So this is two months ago. So, I mean, I could, I could show you article after article after article after article showing you from Fox News, ABC, CBS, Associated Press, all kinds of different articles showing you that there is right now a strong movement that is growing in Europe and in America and in different countries to enforce the keeping of Sunday, exactly as we have been told in the great controversy and in our Bibles. We are heading toward a global crisis. This crisis will grow as these fires and floods and earthquakes and storms continue to hit this planet rapid fire. That's what we're going to see. And as a result of a global crisis, we are going to witness governments and churches coming together proposing a global solution. But that will be a false solution. It won't be the right solution. What's wrong with Sunday legislation? Sunday laws will be proposed. And what's wrong with that? We should all know what's wrong with Sunday laws. You know, we're going to have to stand before the courts. Did you watch the Kavanaugh debates? One of these days, we're going to stand before the courts. And the spotlight's going to be on us. And we should know exactly what's wrong with Sunday laws. Number one, it's the wrong day, right? Number two, God doesn't use force to compel people to worship him. Number three, it comes from the beast. Number four, the Bible, when you study prophecy, shows it's the mark of the beast. A lot of things wrong with Sunday legislation, and God is going to use the crisis to bring people to the point of decision. Whose side are we on? Are we on the side of the creator who gave us life on the cross, whose day is the seventh day, or are we on the side of the beast that changed God's law and is enforcing it during a final crisis? That is the issue that we are going to face. 
Great Controversy, page 605. Look at this. Heretofore, and she's describing when Sunday is enforced by law. Heretofore, those who have presented the truths of the third angel's message have often been regarded as mere alarmists. People have said for a long time, oh, you Adventists, really? Oh, really? Do you think in America, in a land of, of religious freedom with a constitution that separates church and state, do you think that Sunday would ever be enforced by law in this country? But, she says, as the question of enforcing Sunday observance is widely agitated, and that's where we're heading. Sunday is not just going to come in, you know, in the dark. It's going to become a major point of contention and discussion on CNN, Fox News, ABC, NBC, all the major networks. This is what's coming. They're going to be debating and discussing this right on the news. And as the question of enforcing Sunday observance is widely agitated, now we're not quite there yet, but we're getting closer. The movement is here. The discussion has begun. The calamities are here. Brothers and sisters, we're not far away from this time coming. A few more fires, a few more earthquakes, a few more hurricanes, and a few more storms where a few more cities are wiped off the map. Just like paradise two days ago. And we will see these discussions about Sunday observance kicking in. And then she says, as this is happening and the event so long doubted and disbelieved is seen to be approaching, there are even some among us, and I'm not saying you in this church, but even within Adventism, some people are wondering, is this really going to happen that way? Is great controversy really right? Well, I want to say great controversy is based on the Bible. And the Bible predicts this in Revelation chapter 14 and chapter 13. And as this event is seen to be approaching, the third angel's message will produce an effect which it could not have had before. Think about this. The day of Pentecost was a mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We call it the early rain. And that outpouring of the Holy Spirit was connected to an event that happened right in front of their eyes. Anybody know what that event was? It was, it was the cross. Jesus died in fulfillment of prophecy and then he rose from the dead. Seen by over 500 witnesses. Do you know that the, do you know what, this is kind of a quiz question, do you know what the most well-documented historical event of all time is? It's the resurrection of Jesus. Twelve men, totally, or eleven men, totally depressed and discouraged, hiding in a room in Jerusalem. Their master had just been crucified on a cross. He was buried deep inside a rock tomb with a big stone over it, with a Roman seal on it, and a hundred guards guarding the tomb. All of this documented in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John by eyewitnesses who saw these events. 
And yet something happened that, that turned everything around and made these men fearless that they were willing to die for their faith and be beheaded and, you know, pierced with, with a sword and crucified upside down. They wouldn't do that for a hoax. They saw Jesus Amen. resurrected. And it was in the context of a very real, well-documented, living event right in front of their eyes. Peter said, you crucified him by wicked hands, but God raised him from the dead. He said, you know all about this. That was the context for the outpouring of the former rain, of the early rain. The Holy Spirit was poured out because they saw those events right in front of their eyes. And I tell you, it's going to be the same thing with the latter rain. The latter rain is going to be poured out upon the people of God during the context of Sunday legislation. When Sunday is enforced by law right in front of people's eyes, there is going to be a power that is going to come from heaven like we've never seen, never seen, never seen. The third angel's message is going to have an effect that it could not have had before. Now, notice this. This is where I'm kind of building up to with this talk. As the storm approaches, right? That's the name of my, the title of this talk, as the storm approaches. As the storm approaches, a large class who have professed faith in the third angel's message but have not been sanctified through obedience to the truth, they will abandon their position and join the ranks of the opposition. In other words, what she's saying is that there's going to be a sizable group of people who know this message. But when the crisis hits, they're not ready for it. They're not ready for it. And when the pressure's on, and they can't buy or sell, and their mutual funds are at stake, their IRAs are at stake, their bank accounts are at stake, their jobs are at stake, they're not ready for this kind of crisis, this kind of test. And they are going to abandon their position and they're going to join the ranks of the opposition. Now, notice the next sentence. She says, this is how, this is how it happens. It says, by uniting with the world and partaking of its spirit, they have come to view matters in nearly the same light. And when the test is brought, they are prepared to choose the easy, popular side. Wow. I tell you, all of us are in the process of preparation. You are being prepared, and I am being prepared to go one way or the other way. If we are being sanctified by the truth, by obeying the truth of God's word, 
if we're learning those lessons, if we're letting God purify us and cleanse us, and if we believe in the Lord and believe in his prophets, if we believe in what he says, God is working to purify us and get us ready for the crisis. If we don't believe this, and if we're uniting with the world, going the direction of the world, the entertainment of the world, the music of the world, the ways of the world, if we're going with the world and partaking of the spirit of the world, then we are being prepared by the devil to go out the door during the crisis. Do you see that right there? So, you know, people think, well, they can just, you know, kind of do whatever they want, and then when the crisis comes, then they'll stand for God. It's not going to happen that way. If we're not getting ready now to stand for Jesus, when the crisis comes, we're going out the door. We're going out the window. I tell you, we live in a very solemn time. Right? Paradise, California, was just wiped off the map yet two days ago. We're heading for a crisis. The storm is approaching. God is getting a people ready to stand in this crisis. And the devil is getting people ready to go out, to go out on his side, following him. And when this time comes and the division, the final division takes place, and one group goes out and one group stays in, those that stay in will receive the latter rain. Those that stay in and stay in the message will receive the power of the Holy Spirit just like on the day of Pentecost with even greater power. And they will participate in the swelling of the loud cry of the third angel's message as described in the Bible. Are you following me? And that's where we need to be. You know, What's the theme? Uh, where's John? John, the theme of this ASI event, what's the theme of the event? Every member a missionary. Yes. And when is the time for every one of us to be missionaries for Jesus? It's now. That's right. I give out glow tracks when I travel. Just the other day, I was in the Chicago airport, and I saw a guy sh shining shoes. And I thought, I'm going to give him a glow track or give him a track called Trick or Truth. And so I handed it to him, and, and uh, a little while later, I walked by, and it was on the floor right next to his foot. And I thought, well, at least I tried. He probably isn't going to read that track. Well, you know, amazingly, about a half hour later, after I had lunch, I, I went down the escalator heading toward my connection gate, and I saw this man with that track reading it to another man who was shining shoes. <laughs> and I went down the escalator and I saw him and I thought, wow. And I walked up to him and I said, smile. <laughs> and I took a picture of him and I put it on my e-newsletter and I sent it out to 
probably 9,300 subscribers. And my point was, you never know what a track can do. You never know what a word can do. You know, whatever you can do for Jesus, brothers and sisters, whatever we can do for Jesus, now's the time to do it. Now's the time to do it. Because we're heading to a crisis. And we're told also that people will take a stand during that crisis, many of them, because they have read our literature. Because they've been studying. So the three angels' messages... The Ten Commandments, the cross, the three angels, the creator, the beast, the mark, the gospel, the fall of Babylon, all of these things are very, very real. And we're seeing them develop and unfold right in front of our eyes. Right in front of our, of our eyes. I'm almost done here. Revelation 14, 12 says, here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, Seventh-day Adventists did not make this verse up. Right? This is God's verse. At the end of the three angels' messages, God is calling for a people to give their lives to Jesus, to trust in him, to rely on his grace and his mercy and his goodness and, the, and the, you know, the life that he lived when he was here on earth, the suffering he went through, everything he went through to pay the price for my sin and to your sin, for your sin. And Jesus is calling us to give our lives to him and to show our love and our loyalty to him by keeping his commandments, keeping the big ten that God wrote with his own finger on stone. Those who don't want to keep God's commandments are preparing for the mark of the beast. They're getting preparation for a mark in their minds, in their foreheads, and in their actions that they have settled in to commandment breaking. Those who are getting ready for heaven are preparing and becoming commandment keepers through the grace of Jesus. And when it's all said and done, when the final crisis hits this world, everybody's going to be on one of two sides. We're either going to be commandment keepers or commandment breakers commandment keepers because we love Jesus or commandment breakers because we don't. That's it. That's where we're heading. And these fires and these disasters are God's wake-up call telling us we're getting closer. We're getting closer to the final to the final crisis. And we're getting closer to the big day when Jesus returns in the clouds when the one who died on a cross and rose from the dead who went to heaven comes back and the whole earth is illuminated with the glory of his face 
Wow. I tell you, one of these days, the mountains will sink. The islands will disappear. Tombstones will crack open. My dad's going to come out of one of those graves. I'll talk about this more this afternoon. I just spoke at his memorial service one week ago today in Hollywood, California. But my dad's coming up out of the grave. Revelation 14, here's my last verses. Right after the three angels' messages are done, verse 14 says, I looked, and behold, a white cloud. And upon that cloud one sat like the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. It's sharp to reap the harvest of the earth. Another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, thrust in your sickle and reap, for the time has come for you to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. I tell you, brothers and sisters, the harvest of the earth is getting ripe. God's people are getting ripe for heaven. And evil and sin and wickedness and immorality is ripening as well. Both sides. Have you noticed the division in our society? And we even have divisions in our own church. I tell you, both sides are ripening. They're getting ripe for the final harvest. It's happening right in front of our eyes. Here's my last slide. Jesus said, if you love me, do what? Keep my commandments. That's right. The final, the final issue is an issue of love. Do we love Jesus enough to stand for him in the midst of the storm? Do we love Jesus enough to stand for him in the midst of earth's final crisis? Will we be embarrassed like Peter who denied Jesus three times the night before he died? Will we be like Judas? Will we betray him with a kiss? Lord, what are we going to do with you in the final crisis? I'll close with a, a little news story. Actually, it's not so little. Maybe you've never heard about it, but it was not too long ago that there was a group of three terrorists that exploded themselves inside of an airport in Turkey, in Istanbul. 42 people died. It was, a, it was just chaos. And there was a security guard inside that airport, and when he saw people running and shouting and screaming, and he saw one of the terrorists ahead of him who was killing people, this security guard decided in not to run away, but he ran right toward the terrorist, right toward him with just a pistol, shooting to save people's lives. And when he got close enough, he got him and he took him down. And as he, as he got this terrorist 
this brave security guard who ran right into the storm. As he got close enough, he noticed that this man had, had full, uh, he had a full set of bombs on his body. And right before those bombs went off, he dived off to the side. And he was injured, but he survived. And this man was uh, hailed as a hero, as the ultimate hero, who was willing to go right at this man to save other people's lives. We have a hero. We have a hero who's the hero of the universe. He looked at you and he looked at me and he saw our sin. He saw our plight. He saw the doom awaiting sinners without a savior. And he decided in the Garden of Gethsemane and on the cross to run right into it. To go right into the midst of the storm and to take the world's sin and the world's evil and the world's wickedness, your sin and mine, and to take it into his mind and into his heart. And it separated him from his own father, but he was willing to do it for you and for me. He died and he rose from the dead. And he's up there. Hallelujah. And brothers and sisters, it won't be long until he comes back. And we have the awesome privilege of living in these last days of knowing the truth and of being missionaries while we have time to help other people to know the Savior and to prepare for what is coming upon this world as an overwhelming surprise. May God help us. May he impress you and me that time is running out. Jesus is coming soon. Let's get ready and let's help other people to get ready. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast with Steve Wolberg. We feel privileged to be a part of God's commission to share the gospel message with the world. You too can be a part of our gospel outreach team by supporting broadcasts just like these with your financial gifts. We strive to be careful with every dollar that we receive, knowing these donations are sacred gifts to build up God's kingdom of grace and salvation. To find other great resources or to donate online, go to whitehorsemedia.com or you can call us at 1-800-78-BIBLE. That's 1-800-782-4253. You can follow us on Twitter at Whitehorse7 or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Steve Wolberg. That's Steve, W-O-H-L-B-E-R-G. If you prefer to contact us by mail, write to Whitehorse Media, P.O. Box 130, Priest River, Idaho, 83856. Thanks for your support, and may God richly bless your day.